Welcome to Reading to Kids podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Peyton. And we're here to read to you or with you. We know that sometimes moms and dads don't always have the time or the motivation to read to their kids each night, and we know how important it is. So, on those nights that you're not in the mood, we're going to do it for you. Can't wait to read with you. Good job, Peyton. High five. No, you have to stop this. Sorry. You have to stop this. Secret series, Bosch? Pseudonymous Bosch. Book number? Five. Chapter number? Thirty. Yes. The Golden Finger. Oh, geez, Louise. This is just like... Come on. Okay. Page 268. When they entered the theater lobby, they found themselves surrounded by images of Lord Pharaoh depicted as the shadowy outline of a man in a gold cape. Seemingly overnight, the invisible magician, as he was called, had become become an industry unto himself. Kiosks sold Lord Pharaoh t-shirts and posters. You know what? Hmm. Okay, hold on. Sorry, you guys. I know we just started this chapter. I think that tomorrow we'll go to the bookstore if we can buy a who is you know, the Who Is This series, and maybe we'll do Lord Pharaoh and do, like, a whole deep dive into Lord Pharaoh. That's kind of cool because it, like, ends on the Egyptian, maybe. I think so. Um, There were DVDs and calendars. There was even a magic set that came in a big gold box. Max Ernest looked at it wistfully. Cass might have let him buy it, too, had the time been better, had the timing been better, and had Lord Pharaoh's name not been on it. Can you believe that all of this stuff that all of this stuff for that creep? Cass asked. He sure works fast. Actually, the calendar's pretty easy to make, said Yo-Yo. You could make stuff like this in an hour if you wanted. Sheesh, listen to what they're saying, said Max Ernest. Everyone around them was talking about Lord Pharaoh. Supposedly he's just a shimmering cloud of dust. <sighs> you never see him. He's like really invisible. They say he's the greatest magician since Houdini. Mm-hmm. Totally not time traveling. Yep. Yeah. And That's an it. Know about it yeah. That's an insult to Houdini, said Max Ernest, muttering to himself. Cass shushed him, and then they filed into the theater. It was a vast, Vegas-sized theater with a mezzanine of several balcony levels as they found their seats near the stage of the orchestra section the audience continued to buzz with anticipation i heard he's a real alchemist he can totally turn my lead into gold even the other magicians don't know how he does it is it true that he'll turn your watch into gold right in front of everybody Cass rolled her eyes what they don't know what they don't know is that they could just as they could be just as amazing as Lord Pharaoh. All they have to do is eat Senior Ch- Senior Hugo's chocolate, she whispered, sitting down. I thought that there wasn't any more chocolate left, said Yo-Yoji, sitting next to her, so they couldn't eat it even if they knew about it. We don't know that, said Max Ernest, sitting on the other side of Cass. I keep thinking, for him to have gone all this way, he must have figured out how to make the chocolate himself. Anyways, that's not the point said Cass. The point is, he's a jerk and all these people think that he's a genius. He's like the Wizard of Oz, or just 
A Little Old Guy Behind the Velvet Curtain. That's a book we need to read with The Wizard of Oz. Oh, I'm getting it. She said no, but I said yes, I win. Because <laughs> I'm the mom. I'm the boss. Right, Peyton? Yes, she said yes. Good job, Peyton. So easygoing. Actually, the Wizard of Oz was a time traveler, too. Come to think of it, Max Ernest mused. Remember, he's the quack and the machine salesman from Dorothy's own time who winds up in Oz just like her. Well, I okay, I don't remember that, so I gotta watch that over as an adult. He's the uh, he's the uh, well, I guess Kansas to Oz isn't time travel technically, more like an interdimensional, more like an interdimensional travel. It or is it intradimensional? Oh my gosh, I always forget the difference. Yo Yoji gave Max Ernest one of his increasingly frequent Are you totally insane looks? Shush, they're starting, said Cass. Their expressions grew serious as the lights dimmed. Jerk or genius, but or both, Lord Pharaoh had bested them in the past. They would need all of their wits about them if they needed to get through the uns the night or evening unscathed. Welcome to Golden Dawn, said the soothing voice over the loudspeaker. No cameras and no recording devices, please. Anybody caught recording the show will be escorted out of the theater immediately. Oh, jeez. Cass nudged her friends. Guards with headsets stood on all four corners of the room and next to each exit. She was relieved to see that the guards weren't wearing gloves, but also made her. But it also made her nervous. Where was the midnight sun? Why hadn't they shown up anywhere? The stage was dark. An orchestra began to play, first softly, then more loudly, until it opened up in the big, brassy beginning of the James Bond theme song, Goldfinger. Two identical female voices began to sing in duet about the man with the Midas touch, a spider's touch. Suddenly, spotlights created circles at opposite ends of the stage. Each circle stood a slim young woman with long blonde hair wearing a clingy gold bodysuit or maybe should I say a young seeming woman for those for those were skeleton sisters young by the standards of the midnight sun they were at least 40 years old to be reasonably to be any reasonable estimation and yet they still looked talked and behaved like teenagers Which one is Romy and which one is Montana, Max Ernest whispered. I can't tell them apart. I don't know. I don't care, said Cass. Thought I would never see them again. Wishful thinking, said Yo-Yoji. The sisters continue to sing about the sinister Mr. Golden Finger and his web of sin. They sway in unison and wagging their fingers like Motown singers. Oh, that looks amazing, Peyton. Peyton's organizing her room and it looks so good. Yeah. Um, more stage lights came on, revealing, revealing several dozen scantily clad dancers, male and female, whose bare skin was covered with gold body paint. They flipped and spun and twirled in an acrobat of blue golden limbs and torsos. Then, as the song ended, the dancers recorded into the background, and Lord Pharaoh's voice echoed throughout the theater. It seemed to come from everywhere and nowhere at once. Gold, the most malleable of metals and the most precious. 
a symbol in the power of perfection, of royalty and immortality. It never tarnishes. A light, first dim, then brighter, shone on the center of the stage, revealing a gleaming gold coffin. It bore no hieroglyphs or markings of any kind, but it had the unmistakable shape of an, an Egyptian sarcophagus. The ancient Egyptian adorned death with gold to pave their way to the afterlife. Lord Pharaoh continued. His voice was sonorous, 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 uh, and authoritative, authoritative, with a, just a trace of his 16th century European roots. The Spanish conquistadors, conquistadors, sailed the globe courting death and disaster on their search for El Dorado, the mythical city of gold. Today, gold is placed around the necks of, of the Olympians and on the heads of kings, but it was a medieval alchemist who loved gold the best. Their quest for a philosopher's stone, they strove to turn ordinary objects into gold and hence the, the, to achieve the greatness of Midas. Their dream is alive tonight. The lid of the gold sarcophagus rose into the air and then stopped, seeming to hover about five feet above the base. Allow me to introduce myself. As the music reached the crescendo, the skeleton sisters stepped forward simultaneously. Each threw a handful of shimmering gold dust into the direction of the sarcophagus. I'm Lord Pharaoh, the crowd gasped. The shadow of a man, literally an outline of a man, but shadow describes the effect that emerged in the shimmering dust. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the gold dust is cool. Now stepping out of the sarcophagus, Cass grabbed Max Ernest's hand. Yo-Yoji grabbed Cass's hand. Max Ernest screw shut his eyes. Even though they couldn't believe what they were seeing, even though that they'd been looking for him, even though that they'd hawked the coin and bought some tickets and waited to see him. It was almost too terrible to watch now that he was here. But I am not only Lord Pharaoh. I am all of the pharaohs in the past and the future. As he spoke, one of the skeleton sisters held up a long cape of gold satin and draped it over his shimmering dust shoulders. The cape was topped with a big gold collar and appeared to float in the air. Scarabs and the eyes of Horus and other Egyptian symbols were embroidered in the fabric. The other skeleton sister placed a crown on his shimmering head. Max Ernest recognized it as the double crown worn by pharaohs to symbolize the union of upper and lower. Meanwhile, the skeleton sisters reprised a gold, the gold finger chorus. As gold dust floated to the ground, Lord Pharaoh grew fainter and fainter. He was nearly invisible underneath his cape, just as he was about to disappear altogether. He had a single gold finger aloft. Remember because his finger got cut off? Oh, that's Lord Pharaoh. Yeah. Yeah, that's who, the, who's on the stage right now. Because they're pretending that he's a magician. and He's just like amazingly invisible. Yeah. Yep. An image of the finger magnified many times over appeared on a silver screen behind him so that the people in the back roads could see it. Although it appeared to me made of gold, it was thin and bony and crooked. There was no mistaking whose finger it was. That's it. The mummy's finger, said Yo-Yoji, whispering. He must have dipped it in gold or something. And Max Ernest, said Max Ernest, when the music died down, the skeleton sisters removed Lord Pharaoh's cape and crown. 
All that was left for the audience was to see the mummy's golden finger shown on the screen again and the barest hint of gold dust. The gold finger that you see once graced the hand of the greatest doctor in ancient Egypt, a man who knew the most precious secret in the universe atoned in this invisible Lord Pharaoh. This man is now a mummy. Soon, through the power of gold, he will live again. The audience murmured in awe as the images of an Egyptian flickered behind him. The skeleton sisters rolled the golden sarcophagus to the center of the stage. As, an, as ominous music played, it began to rise in the air. When it was a few feet off of the ground, it began, t- uh, it began tilting further and further forward until it was floating upright. Behold the mummy. As Lord Pharaoh spoke, the lid of the sarcophagus floated away. A spotlight revealed that the sarcophagus occupant, the mummy. I have been I have brought him back to this world from the next, and he will be my slave and I will possess all of his powers. Lord Pharaoh murmured a few words in ancient Egyptian and then translated, O mighty Thoth, let this finger let this finger rejoin the hands of its master. The finger glowed in a fiery orange as he reattached it to the mummy's hand. From where our friend sat, it looked like pure magic, but of course it was also possible that he was using glue. Behind oh bless you. Behind Lord Pharaoh, hieroglyphs appeared on the screen. They looked as though they were being burned into the sheet of gold. I have only to place the gold ring of the Thoth on the mummy's finger, and this once great man will breathe once more. I don't get it, said Max Ernick to Cast. You still have the ring, don't you? She touched her neck. Uh uh uh-uh, not for long. Oh, uh-huh. Not for long, said Yo-Yoji darkly. Who, look who's coming. His friend turned just in time to see their old and their old adversary, Daisy, host, hoisting Yo-Yoji out of his seat. Hey, let go of me, cried Yo-Yoji. Gladly, the massive Midnight Sun member tossed him into the aisle as if he weighed no more than a pillow. Ah! He held onto his shoulder in pain. The audience murmured nervously. The pharaoh goffed loudly ha do not be alarmed ladies and gentlemen all part of the show of course and now my lovely assistant cassandra and now my lovely assistant cassandra will please bring me the ring Mm-hmm. yep a spotlight fell onto cassandra where she was sitting suddenly the entire room the entire room of eyes was on her she sh- yep she shrank back down in her seat. Daisy reached for Cass. You come with me. No way, you can't take her, said Max Ernest bravely. Don't worry. It's only a game, said Laura Farrow, as he reassured the audience. Cassandra likes to play. What is the contemporary expression? Hard to get? What, pain? She does not want to play. No. The audience laughed, like any good Vegas audience, probably because of the track pre-recorded cued laughter in the background, as Cass, on the other hand, did not feel like laughing at all. She looked over Yo-Yoji, but he was now being held by two security guards, and she looked in the other direction where the guards were waiting opposite aisle. There was no escape. I think Cass, they just made Cass, like, um, maybe... Like, um, what is it called? What is it called? An actor, so she could just start crying. Yep, I know. Yep, 
She looked at the other direction. There were guards waiting. There was no escape. Don't fight it. They'll take you too, she whispered to Max Ernest. He didn't fight it, but they took him anyways. Oh, boy. Why did they pick front row seats? Why wouldn't they pick, like, the very back? I know, right? Yeah. All right, let's see what happens.